0: So I dealt with the injustice, I dealt with the racism, I dealt with the discrimination, and you can't take that away from me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't say, oh, that don't exist. And I think that's what a lot is going on, especially when it comes to like, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests and that was going on with the George Floyd. How much do we have to see until change is coming? You know, how many lives do we have to lose until we see change?
1: Welcome everyone to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? Well welcome back to the ultimate shift. Today we have Paris Pendleton. Am I saying that right? Yes. Okay, so you're an entrepreneur and an artist empowering women. You have done quite a, you have quite the, uh, the track record of companies and different things you're doing. and so can you dive in and tell us a little bit about your single mom? Am I understanding that correctly as well?
0: Yes, I'm a, a single mom, an entrepreneur. Um, I've run a radio station. Um, I have, um, um, I sell hair care products, hair extensions. So I'm just a busy person.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time to do the show. So, can you give us a little bit of your backstory? Where did you grow up? Uh, what got you from there to where you are now? And, you know, just a little bit of the journey, and we can dive into little tidbits of it. Yeah, talk.
0: sure. So I grew up, part of my life, I, I was in Philadelphia, and then I moved to California at the age of 11, um, living out there with my aunt uncle. uncle. Um, just always had the drive of wanting better, um, was always, you know, just my forefront, the picture that I always was going after. Was out there, went to college, um, started missing Philly. So I came back to be with my family, you know, still trying to figure life out and then um, started working like in a um, human service field then I was like you know because my I always like that's my always my goal I like helping people whether it is being a soundboard listening giving good advice you know any way I can you know giving resources any way I can I always try to help as many people as I can and so a couple years I um, graduated from college and um, I still wasn't. Um, I still wanted more. I still felt like that my life was supposed to be. I'm supposed to be doing more, you know. Um, so then I started looking and hearing about being an entrepreneur, and like, and then I was like, you know, I don't know nothing about being an entrepreneur. Being a first generation that graduated from high school, like my family, my mom and my dad, um, they didn't know anything about business and finance, and so a lot of it was just me, like, you know, just just wanting to drive. And just wanting to go uh, forward. So um, I'm into fashion. I'm into like the girly stuff, hair, hair products. And so I was like, you know what? I want to sell um, jewelry, fashion jewelry for women. So looked into that. And I'm talking to my friends. And we're like, I'm like, you know what? I have a good eye for fashion, especially um, fashion accessories. So I started a business called The Candy Shop. And um, it was pretty cool. Um, it didn't really do well, just, you know, not knowing out of the gate, like what it takes to run a business, how to make sales. Um, so like, you know, it was a lot of stumbling. Um, then I know that I liked talking people, helping people. So then I started doing um podcast called Care to Talk. Um, it was based off of um, herbalistic um, discussion, like, you know, herbal remedies to right. um, help with like... Um, you know, common colds and things like that. And this is right on the cusp when people were really like, I think California had just legalized marijuana. So it was just like, you know, I'm like, you know, it's not a bad thing. Some people have anxiety and deal with, you know, and smoke marijuana and uh, cannabis now. And so um, doing that, so it was just like, okay, I'm getting my legs wet and I like the The energy that it was bringing as a group of people come together and um, have the discussion about, you know, just talking. So going forward, um, so we, it didn't really like, it was okay, but I just feel like people at that time wasn't ready for the Care to Talk podcast. So then we came up with a show called The Diva Hustle Show. Um, which we were under another radio station. And that's where we were talking to like the artists, entrepreneurs, and they'll come on our show and, you know, just talk about the story, the product, you know, why they, you know, some of the endeavors or barriers that they face on their journey. And from there, I was like, yo, you know, this is it, you know, and plus being a woman, it was just like, you know, I, who else can relate to the doors and the barriers and, and, and just also having to work so hard, you know, like as as you, you don't have to work as hard as I do because you're a male, right? So just being able to have that platform, like, you know, we, as women, we have to support each other wherever we get in life. And so I was like, you know, I want to, I want to keep this, keep this going. I was with a radio station. They end up closing down. Um, but I just knew like I was on to something like this was my purpose in life, so doing some research and um just finding out like learning from other people's mistakes why the business the radio business has closed, I started my own radio
1: station, and I'm here now you- you kind of got because of the radio station you kind of that's what dove you into working with the artists and yeah music, and prior to that, you hadn't really experienced much of that. no, I haven't no. Okay. So what was it about the entrepreneur? What did you study in in college?
0: Um, When I went to college, my bachelor's was in criminal justice, and then my master's was in community leadership.
1: Wow. Okay. Those are both very serving, you know, careers, but not entrepreneurship necessarily. So what was it about, like, as a kid, what did you see in entrepreneurs or, you know, um, what was it about that lifestyle that made you say, you know what? I'm willing to bust down the gate, you know, work those long hours, give up those relationships, to try to build that life for myself. What did you see in that lifestyle that you felt maybe you couldn't get from criminal justice or, uh, you know, otherwise?
0: Well, when I when our family got exposed to entrepreneurship, it was just the freedom and the ability to earn your own income meaning like you know you don't have to just say well i'm a correction officer and i get forty thousand a year it was more of just having the freedom you know you work at your own pace but you're working for yourself and yeah. to me that that's what keeps me driving every day you know what i'm saying like just being able to say like you're working hard for yourself it's not oh well you know you're working for an employer and you know, you want to get a raise, but you don't know, or you know, you don't qualify, or you know, you don't look a certain way. Just knowing that you are working for yourself, and 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 that's the best reward ever.
1: Yeah. As a kid, what was what was your biggest challenge?
0: You know, what I, I really don't know what my biggest challenge was. Um, I just know that being a first generation, uh, graduating from college, um, completing high school, I didn't get exposed to a lot of like you know being able to say, like, um, you can be an entrepreneur, you know, so the drive really came from me.
1: Yeah, so you had to instill a lot of that in yourself. It wasn't like you could look up to someone that was kind of driving you towards that. Right. So what did you use for motivation? Because I know, as any entrepreneur you've ever talked to who's built a company for themselves, it's a lot of lonely days and lonely nights of just, you know, grinding through the, the journey. How did you Keep, how did you stay inspired and, and, you know, keep feeding yourself that vision? What did you do?
0: Well, I know for me, um, just one, keeping God first has always been my number one, knowing that my purpose in life is to help people. In whatever form or fashion that it is if it's a radio station I'm helping to under the you know the indie artists getting their music played on a radio station. I'm helping an entrepreneur receive free marketing where you know marketing costs so much you know it could cost 15,000 just to run an ad. Um, so what keep me really driving then my kids um, just knowing that being able to set open uh, to remove barriers that was placed on me. And giving them exposure to you know a college education giving them exposure to seeing what an entrepreneur is and working for yourself so those is really what keep me going
1: yeah so you have one of your areas of expertise is how to turn your passion into profitable income right. I feel like this is something a lot of people can relate to a lot of people they they want to do what they're passionate about right i mean what's better in life than doing what, what you love how do you do that? Because it's so hard. I feel like watching some people try to try to work their passion, but passion doesn't always pay. So how do you? Right. How can you? You know how do you intermingle those two so that you do get paid for doing what you love?
0: Well, you one you had to be, and I had to learn this the hard way. You had to be the answer to someone's problem, right? Um, I know I was looking at Shark Tank the other night, and the um, young man he had a. Um, you know like a frozen dinner business and he was saying how he was trying to have his um frozen dinners which were like low calories low salt and he wanted them in like the urban areas because they don't have access to nutritional food right,
1: right.
0: and so you know and i'm like you know that's a good idea but then as i started listening to the, the shark tank um the the guys on shark tank they were just saying like you know it seemed more of a um non-profit So you have to, understand, like, you know, you have to really, one, be the answer to somebody's problem and then find out how are you going to make money off of it, whether it's you want to be a nonprofit, whether you're going to be a LLC or a corporation, and how are you going to make money, point blank, period.
1: So if you had to do it all over again, let's say you just got out of college and you didn't want to get into criminal justice, what would you... And and you had no idea, you know, you may have had some ideas coming out of college as to what you want to do, whether it was jewelry, fashion, or whatever. But if you didn't have any idea and you would use that term of like, well, what problem can I solve? Because that's a great answer. Where would you start looking? I mean, what would you use as far as resources maybe to try to find that problem with everything you know now?
0: Well, everything I know now, like we have the one thing we do have, we have the Internet. And you and nothing, that's how I found most of the information about my business, right? All the businesses I started is the internet. So you have to say, okay, let me do my due diligence and my research to find out if I like making blankets. You know, how can I make blankets? How can I make money off of it? And, you know, what's the long term goal of it? So you really have to really do your due diligence and find out, like, how do I get this started? Why am I getting this started? And then also, it's almost like you have to be the expertise in making blankets. So you have to know everything about making a blanket. You know, like I'm trying to start a clothing line and, you know, it's just learning everything about different fabrics, different stitching, and, you know, how certain garments have to be cut. So you really have to like just live, breathe, and eat it pretty much.
1: Yeah, until you perfect it. So how do you balance everything you have? Because, I mean, you're you're doing a lot of things that that I'm, I'm very good at business, but I struggle with my business taking so much of my time to balance a personal life. Right. How do you balance? And I don't even have kids. So I'm inspired by your story of raising kids. Gosh, you have, what, five companies? Yeah. How do you balance that? How do you find the the time to take care of yourself and still and your kids and still give the companies the, the attention that they take.
0: You know what I have to like I, I was telling my mom, like sometimes I have to just take weekends where I'm like, you know what, this is time for my kids. You know what I'm saying? Um I have to set you have to really be disciplined and just setting time aside just for you so that you can take care of you. Because if you constantly work, work, work. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing it every day where I'm like somebody just working. You know, because one, what keep us dry, the drive is the fear. And one of my friends, like 44 years old, work, 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 because they felt that if they didn't always, what is it? If they didn't always work the hours that they were free, they, that you know, they were going to fail. And so he ended up having a heart attack and dying because just the stress, you know what I'm saying? so it's really key into like, it's okay if you work 20 hours, you know, a week. Isn't Nothing in in the, in the world ever says that to be successful, you got to work 120 hours for your own business. So we as entrepreneurs and myself, like I had to take a step back and just be like, you know what? I had to have some time for myself
1: and my kids. Do you think the entrepreneur world or the gurus, if you will, whatever you want to call it, sell entrepreneurship too much to the point that where, like you said, oh, you have to work 120 hours because uh, or do you feel like people can make of it what they want and still succeed? Because you, your, your idea of success isn't what someone else thinks. It's, it's am I making enough to feed my family and am I happy? You know, do you feel like entrepreneurship is, in a sense, oversold and not really delivered as it really is or what it could be?
0: I do. Um, I feel like everybody is not made to run their own business. Um, it could be where you might just be a contractor for another company. You know what I'm saying? Again, you're being in need or, you know, you're solving someone's problem. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of it is a lot of the hardships that entrepreneurs face is not discussed enough. You know what I'm saying? We always see the picture, the, the pretty picture with the flowers and, you know, the fancy cars. But r- nobody discussed about the first five years of your business. You're not going to really see a profit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: you might end up working another job. You know what I'm saying? Just because you have another business. So that's not discussed enough. We just see the pretty picture of, oh, I have this big house and I have a car. But and then again, everybody is not made to work, have their own business.
1: How important is it in starting businesses and growing companies to be able to enjoy that journey of the ups and downs? And do you feel like there's certain people maybe you're ready? answer that question with what you said earlier that just aren't cut out for the journey they just want the end result uh but it, have you found that journey to be fun you enjoy that that time of like you know what i don't know if this is going to work but i i enjoy the time that it takes to to see if it does
0: um at first i i, I have to admit at first i did not enjoy the journey um it, w- it took a friend we were talking and he was just like you know you have so much to be proud of yourself for because of your journey, right? And a couple of days, maybe I'm at the talking to him. I'm like, you know what? I really do. And then as I start going around talking to people, like you start to enjoy the journey. I had to teach myself how to, how to enjoy the journey. And also when you have a negative or a, a impact, a negative impact or a positive impact, you have to take and learn from, that impact it's something that you're supposed to learn as an entrepreneur when the door gets shut in your face it's not like well oh you know oh well give up or you know they just didn't like me it's something that is supposed to be going on you're supposed to be learning at that moment and again it's like I said everybody is not made to be an entrepreneur you know people it sounds good you know you buy like, oh you know I have my own business but people don't really know what it entails you know they don't know like you know like even to a point where I was having a discussion with a friend and um, they're like, you know, they're having problems. They hire their family members. And I'm like, that's the number one key. You never hire your family member or friends. You know, like a guy was saying, like he can't even go to Thanksgiving dinner because of when he first started out, he was hiring his friends, but his family. So, you know, it's a lot of lessons.
1: So the, the other thing that you talk about on your platform is finding the right starter business for you. I, where do you start with that? Let's say someone again, I mean, that's kind of touching back on what we talked about, but this may not be a passion. Is there such a thing as saying, you know what, I don't really want to do this, but I need the income. And there's a need over here. There's someone, there's a spot to be filled over here. I don't know if I'm going to love it. I might hate it, but it's going to pay me. Is that, what? what's your advice to that person? Do you, do you grab onto that and then, you know, use that to maybe launch you? Or do you, you know how do you find that right start a business
0: well the thing is it has to be something that you're passionate about because again if you're doing it for money that's a wrong way to go you know what i mean because again you become enslaved to the money and right. then every at some point it's just going to become draining for you to wake up and go to work and do this and do that so that's why if you're going to start a business it has to be something that you're passionate about like i like Fashion, I like music, you know what I'm saying? So I could get up and honestly say every day, like, I don't mind, you know, going to pick out whatever I have to pick out for my businesses because
1: that's what I like doing. What has the music industry taught you about yourself?
0: You know, the music industry told me it's just that it's such a, a big separation. And when, especially when it comes to women, we are underrepresented in music. maybe like a good 10% of women in music, maybe like a producer or a rapper. Um, And then they also make it like, it only has to be one person. Like it can only be one Cardi B, or it can only be, you know, one J-Lo. And that's not the case, it's several women. Um, But also what I like about it is being able to meet and conversate with the independent artists that, you know, just starting out. And just hearing a story, and you know, cause you 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 see them in a different light, where you might never get to hear their story because they never may become big. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's what's really key, and just being able to say, hey, I talked to this artist, they did this, and maybe you want to try it, and they may op- you know, it might open a door for them. So,
1: do you feel women are more hesitant to jump into the into the music industry than men? Maybe I do. And why is I don't know.
0: I think because for the music industry, you have to have this look, and uh, y- you know, if you don't have the big butt or the big boobs, like you know, you're not pretty. A lot of women are hesitant; uh, they don't have the look. They feel like they can't make it in music. Um, I know I was talking to an artist over in Canada, and she just was like, "You know, why is it like that?" You know, and then I'm like, "This is stigmas that they put on, in, on women way back when before. So
1: it's um, it's that's just how it is." almost like a generational curse thing that right. break out of. There's a I'm I'm a member of a, the a Forbes Council, a part where we we study a lot of different happenings in in uh, the work area of entrepreneurship or businesses. And just yesterday, they released a study that uh, they wanted an opinion on, which is saying that during COVID businesses for whatever reason or another and i have been studying up on this today to try to because i'm expected to answer uh with with it for whatever reason during covid more women essentially lost their job than men Uh, i mean they were being let go uh, on greater numbers than men to, to almost to the point that maybe the little part that we gain where we're bringing more women into the workforce that that i feel like we as the united states or maybe the world has been working towards and has acknowledged okay that's a problem that they felt like we have kind of backslid now again because of that what is something you think businesses should consider or recognize or what can we do as business owners to keep the women in the force uh you know how would you answer that
0: well you have to understand right the 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 the, the statistics shows that Majority of women are single moms. So if you understand that most during the COVID, a lot of the kids was homeschool. So right. they were online. So they had to make a decision whether my kids get an education or do my kids go to work. And so as an employer, you know, you had some companies where they're like, you know, bring your kids to work and just set them up in the conference room. But you had other companies like, well, they can't come to work. So I think, and, and people were calling out. So I think that we as entrep- as business owners, we have to be more understanding um, when it comes to single moms with families. Um, I, you know, I have stories where, you know, I'm telling them like, you know, even my, my I was I was a supervisor one time and uh, my staff, she said, I can't go to work. I can't come to work. I don't have a babysitter. I'm like, listen, I'll watch your child. You know what I'm saying? Because you still had to make money. And so why not, you know, i watch a child. She's like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, just come on. You know, I have two kids. So we'll go to the movies and things like that. So you have to be able to be more relatable and understanding as a business owner.
1: Or maybe the companies we need to start implementing policies that, uh, let's say there is a COVID pandemic, that is no one's fault. And then, you know, if you're a single mom and you have a, an office job, uh, for instance, and the pandemic hits, that's not something you can control. Maybe as companies need to implement policies that say, okay, well, or even schools closed. You know, maybe right. schools closed and your and your child can't go to school now and you you can't leave them at home alone. So right. maybe we need to implement these things where, okay, well, we'll work you can work from home. Here's how we'll so I was very I was surprised by the article and I was surprised by the statistics that they showed us and so it was just kind of sad for me to see that and 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 say well what are we doing wrong that we just we we're willing to cut and I think it like you said I think it falls on women maybe not intentionally but maybe more so because of the single mom thing and, right. and then that maybe just tends to be the ones taking the brute force of it so it's unfortunate but I Yeah think- because
0: yeah because even like I know one one of my friends her job and she does like home care so her job allowed her to bring her clients to her home right because daycare was closed so you just have to be like listen you know we have to be now with covid if anything it taught us how to think outside the box as far as rendering services rendering products so even so that being said with the workforce we have to think outside the box also
1: um how how do you change your mind you i mean you seem to have really learned and climbed the ropes yourself and, you know, not having anyone that you can really go to maybe younger when you were younger and say, how do you do this to change your mindset from that of, uh, you know, first going to college and being the first one in the family to, to go through that uh, to getting a mate, uh, I mean, majoring in criminal justice, but then still going even further than that and taking the challenge road of how did you, Deal with the, you know, how did you change your mindset, the way you maybe thought about money, the way you thought about maybe success, or you seem to be very level headed on success of of realizing that it's not about the money, it's not about, you know, the materialistic things, it's about doing what you love and the passion. Mm -hmm. What What did that look like for you? What did you utilize? Was it books? Was it just going to seminars? Or was this just something you tackled yourself and just really looked internally and kind of got those answers for yourself?
0: well it's just it was more of internally just knowing that you know you can have your bills paid but then again like you know even when i was working like say as a security officer or whatever like you still was struggling you know what i'm saying you still was trying to make ends meet and then i would end up wanting to get three jobs and still trying to make ends meet right so then it was just like you know what at what point do you just sit and say okay you have to know when enough is enough and it's not really about money it's about what you're trying to pervade, you know, have in this world. What you're what you what are you trying to leave back as your legacy? And and that's really what's key to me. And then also just showing my kids, you know, like my daughter, I um I know I never I never forget she came to me and she said she wanted to start a baking company making cookies. And so like, you know, I was just excited. And again, I never had that opportunity. It probably never crossed my mind as a kid because I was never exposed to it. Um, so, you know, things like that just shows you that, okay, you know, you're making, even if I just touch one person, I feel like I did my
1: job. Well, why, why do you, I wasn't, I mean, you just kind of threw me into this, why, what about you care so much about the people? Because you seem to, you're, a lot of what you're doing is, is you're doing for other people. Why do you care about that next person, about that next family, about that next mother, maybe your child?
0: Um, I care much about it because that's, that's what makes me, that's what I'm made of. You understand? So just being, you know, people may not have the, the courage or the know all, or, you know, the strength to go the distance that I've been through, but just able to tell my story is important to give someone some type of inspiration just to take the torch and go to the next level. That's what's key to me. I love that.
1: I It's very selfless. And, and, you know, I, I admire it a lot. You touched on uh, briefly, you know, working the two or three jobs and maybe still having a hard time making ends meet. If you had access, and maybe you do, but if, if you had access to maybe someone who who can start writing policies, whether it's, a, you know, senators or, or uh, someone in the political field, what is something that you think we – as Americans, need to change and to, to ensure that a single mom does not have to be out there working two or three jobs? What do we have to be better at? What, what do we have to change? Well, one, we have to change the
0: rate um, for as people making hourly rate. If you ever notice males in the workplace make more money um than a female right and we can be at the same you can i I'll never forget a, one of my previous employers um a young man he had a masters i had a masters um he was with no he had a bachelor's i had a masters and kind of find out he was making more than me you understand but same thing same, same job same thing same job and and I had the masters and he had the bachelors and I and he was making more than me. So it's that right there is key. You know, if 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 you can pay women the same as you're paying men, maybe we don't have to go get a second job. Maybe we can, you know, have a one job and just live off the one job. And then, you know, they can still take care of their kids and, and their bills.
1: What is your thought on, not to get too political here because I'm not really about a political show, but what is your, if we raise the, um, is one of those areas, does it solve it if we raise the minimum wage, if we if we raise maybe the hourly rate as well across the board, does that, in other words, for you, because I'm trying to understand both sides of it. some people fight against it and others are for it, and and I'm trying to understand both sides of it, so let's say you're back there and you're trying to work two jobs, if somebody was to say, hey, and I don't know what you were making an hour, that, that's irrelevant, maybe irrelevant in this case, but like, Someone was to say, "Hey, we're going to bump you five bucks an hour over here." Would that have eliminated that one job, maybe, and allowed you to spend more time with your your children?
0: Oh, yes, it would have. But also, you got to understand when you make more money, then you go, "It's more taxes."
1: True. Yeah. So that's the that's the tricky part of that. <laughs> that's the tricky part. Most people don't think about that. Right. So my dilemma, where I get hung up on, is let's say uh, I think first off, I think everyone deserves the opportunity to. Create their own life and make the money. If you're willing to work hard, you know, I started with nothing. When I was 18, I had 800 bucks in my pocket and the clothes on my back. I, so I busted my butt. But I was also given opportunities where some people, I'm not naive enough to believe that some people don't have those opportunities. Sometimes right. I didn't grow up in the project, you know. And and I think people that, that did sometimes don't have the opportunities that some of us have outside of that. And so I think that's important to recognize that. But also, I sometimes think, well, let's say, for instance, we raise the, the rate at McDonald's to 15 bucks an hour. Well, McDonald's is going to bump up that burger that you're getting. Right. And, and so I, I'm having a hard time. Um, that's why I was asking you the question. I'm, I'm always asking people, like, you know, how do how do we do this? How do you, I, I want to understand both sides of the aisle. Um, and I don't have the answer. Maybe that's why I'm not a politician, so.
0: Uh, I mean, I know me and a friend, we were talking about it, and uh, he was like, Well, you know, I guess I want everyone to get uh, $15 minimum wage or more. You know, some places they pay more than that. But then you got to look at the business part of it. So I'm wearing another hat, and it's almost as if you're like, Okay, well, McDonald's, like you said, if McDonald's have to pay their staff $15 an hour, then they have to charge, make that money up somewhere else, right? So if you can sell, so they would have to, let's just say they sell for the, for the pay a staff, $15 an hour, they would have to sell, let's say, hmm, because even if you go to McDonald's, let's think this out. If you go to McDonald's, you can spend $24 in like one order. So, I mean, you, you look at it like that. What would it take for an employer to make that $15 back and plus, plus a profit. So that's, I just think it's a discussion that needs to be made.
1: Yeah, and, and and I don't think it's an easy fix. I think I think this is where bipartisanship uh, from both from people on both sides have to say, okay, well let's let's fix this. And and uh, the one issue we have in this country is is one's not willing to look at the other, and and it's just saying, well, because you can play the part where you say, well, if we raise that, then you know, uh, yeah, it solves solves that problem. So great, I make more money, but. That doesn't take care of the tax issue. That doesn't take care of the other things as well. So, uh, it's it's a it's a it's a tricky thing, I'm sure. But uh, I'm thankful that the world's not leaning on me to solve that problem. So,
0: uh, <laughs> well, they might come to you for advice.
1: Let's <laughs> no, hope they don't. Uh, but okay. Well, how do you um, you have worked in this as well? At, let's say you have this this idea of this business you wanna do, this dream, this passion. How do you fund it? If you, you know, a lot, that's a big issue for a lot of companies or for a lot of individuals wanting to start a business. And, you know, maybe they're living paycheck to paycheck. Maybe they are making a little bit more than that. Uh, and, and, but they don't, you know, they're gonna to have to have help. One thing I did find out, like they have angel investors.
0: Um, you could get grants depending on if you're a nonprofit Sometimes, you know, it might be, you know, what I did was I, I started when I started selling hair extensions, I bought, you know, I took a lump sum of money and I, I took like bought a thousand dollars worth of extensions. And then I just kept flipping it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So sometimes it might take that. I mean, and, but you can go some people go get business uh, loans. Um, you know, I know uh, one of my friends, she was like, you know, her her husband he was getting frustrated because the business wasn't coming in as fast as he wanted to. And he had to take out a loan and then they had to start paying the loan back. So it's just really important to find out how you're going to make money when you start your business. Don't wait until you start the business to find out how you are going to make money. Make, find out how you want to do that first, that's key.
1: Yeah, let's, uh, we got about 10 or 15, 10 minutes or so here. Yeah, I think, Uh, but I want to touch on just because of coming out of 2020, uh, you know, we had the Black Lives Matter movement. And we've had a lot of the social justice things, and you're you're an expert in this field. What is something that you feel maybe the majority or a big portion of the company does, or the country doesn't understand about social justice, whether it's one side of the aisle or the other?
0: Um, I feel like when people fail to realize, like we've been just like for me being a black woman, like I've been a black woman all my life, so I dealt with. The injustice. I dealt with the racism. I dealt with the discrimination, and you can't take that away from me. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't say, "Oh, that don't exist." And I think that's what a lot is going on, especially when it comes to like you know the Black Lives Matter protests and that was going on with the George Floyd. Like, how much do we have to see until change is coming? You know, yeah. how many lives do we have to lose until we see change?
1: Yeah, I it, we had during that time. There's a couple uh, businessmen here in town. Uh, all black men uh, have built incredible businesses and are dear, dear friends of mine. And so we sat down and we did a talk with them on the show uh, about, and and I can tell you as growing up a white man, uh, I grew up, I don't know if you know any, what you live in Philadelphia, I grew up Amish. So, uh, and and we didn't, you know, that wasn't the racial thing. There wasn't a thing because there are no black Amish. And so when we, the way I described it to them was when I thought of black people, I would think of them as English people because everyone that wasn't Amish, we considered English. We, that, that's what they called it. So they were all in the same category. And so then as I got out of that culture and started getting in the real world and I realized more so last year when I started reflecting, looking back, how much the media and other things program you yes. to believe and to hear certain things. And so it was so eye-opening to me to hear... There are stories of things that that I just uh, and I spend a lot of time. I uh, Wesley um oh what is this? I have to he wrote a book about I can't think what his last name is, one of the best books I've read. He wrote a book about the um uh, a Trey Martin uh Trayvon Martin case and things. Okay. That, but he followed a lot of those stories. And it was just it blew my mind. And I just got to thinking, I'm like we have to do better as far as getting, kind of what I said earlier, getting those opportunities to, and and there's different colors in the projects, if you will, there's blacks and there's whites and things, but I feel like we have created, uh, or the government essentially has put them there and, and has kind of kept them there. Yes. That's one thing I kept hearing from some of these guys that when we did this talking, and I was like, you know, what is something that you think we could do to enable those kids coming from that environment. Maybe it's a fatherless home. Maybe they have both their parents or things like that, but it's just there. You're stuck in that environment and, right. and you become part of the environment that you're in good or bad. Sometimes what is something that you feel we can do as a country, as a nation of people uh, past what you said first, understanding that it does exist just because you don't live that life. Doesn't mean someone else doesn't. And just right. say it doesn't, it's just not there. That doesn't make it right or you know, either. So all that being said, what is something that we could do as a nation to come together and maybe create opportunities? Or what's that first step of helping that six-year-old, 10-year-old, 15-year-old child and give them opportunities? How do we do that?
0: I'm going to tell you this. So I was watching this documentary on Stefan Mulberry, and he was in a barbershop. And he asked this young little boy, he had to be about six years old, um, African-American, black child. And he said, um, he said, what you want to be when I gr- when you grow up? And the little boy said, um, I don't know. And so Stefan Mar- Marlberg said, well, you know, you can be the president. And the little boy sat there and you can see the wheels in his head turning like the president. And Stefan Marlberg started crying, but just you know we have to give our kids opportunities more opportunities you know what i'm saying like one thing what obama shows you is that shows us as the black communities that we have we can be president and now we have a female vice president so now we could be vice president but we have to as kids they have to get more exposure to arts and crafts and school you know athletics just just giving more science, you know, They even taking science out of the school. Just giving them more opportunity. And then, like you said, a lot of them just see what they see in their neighborhood. And that's, that's just so sad, you know, because that's not life. You know, I, I know a friend and his son was like, you know, just in Philly. And I'm like, yo, he should be going to college. Like, it's once you go to college, I'm telling you, like, a whole different world. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're meeting people from different states, different countries, and y'all in the dorms. And, you know, just... Being exposed to these opportunities, I think, is really key when it comes to our kids.
1: I love that. I never thought about that as in college, but you're, you're so right. You, you would, Especially coming from that environment, you'd see so many different things. I also think that's incredible, that story you shared, because maybe it is as simple as starting with planting the ideas. Right. The ideas outside of their current environment, planting the ideas of, look, you can do everything you want, and then just backing them. It's you know I'm still learning a lot about it. It's it's something that I'm I've become very consciously aware of, and that's a good that's a good thing that that last year did for a lot of people. I think.
0: Oh yeah, it was. I mean, and then just seeing how much people was able to relate and just knowing, like, okay, you know, it is time for change. When you see black and whites out marching and you know yeah. protesting, just like, yo, it's time for change. It's not fair for the these people to keep you know dying at the hands of police officers you know and for what you know so that to me was just so touching like you saying being constantly aware that there needs to be a change
1: that was a beautiful part about the marches uh some when I watched some of these movies that were based off of true stories of of blacks being killed and the, the one thing that I noticed in those marches it was always black people it was right. black people against the the system it was black people against the the police officers maybe or whatever it was and so that the whole thing of last year kind of brought back everyone right. uh, and marching for the same thing and and i think that whether or not you believe that it helped i th- i think that that made a big change in the, the next generation oh yeah
0: what- it definitely helped i mean it really did help it brought awareness it became like again it's a discussion like you and i have right now you know before right. this it, we didn't have discussions like this well, you
1: know so i pushed aside right Uh, Yeah, so, okay, well, I I know you're busy. And um, just another, if you had, if you were given the world platform, the world's Mm -hmm. watching, and you were given a few minutes to just, you know, say something, what do you think the world needs to hear?
0: I just think that the world needs to hear that, you know, the sky is really the limit. Um, Through hard work and dedication, all your goals can be achieved. Um, There's always someone out there to help you. If you just ask for help, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. And um, just fear is, is you know, never, don't never acknowledge fear.
1: Just keep moving forward. I love it. If you could spend a day with any one person alive or dead, who would it be?
0: You know what? I think it probably will have to be Obama.
1: Yeah. <laughs> huh? <laughs> I, yeah. I, you know what? I, if I could pick him, if I could get away to get him on the show and pick his brain, I would have done it so fast already. I, I think he is, he, he, I watched an interview he did with David Letterman uh, after. Okay. His, and man, I, I, I can tell you, I was so touched because as a president, I don't care which side of the aisle you are. Someone, someone's always ragging you. The media is ragging you right. or someone's telling you, and, and you don't really know those people. You know, because we don't know what if what we're hearing is necessarily true. We haven't we haven't known that, and we tend to build these profiles. It's not that I ever had really a big issue with him or anything like that, but it's like I really got to understand because he was here. He was outside of his presidency, just talking about his life, his family, and things that are important. And I was I was so touched by it. And, and I wish I would have I wish I would have seen that before his presidency, because right. I feel like instead of you know, I didn't know him prior to becoming president at all. And then then you're just you kind of build this this uh, avatar of who you think he is based off of everything, the good, the bad and the ugly. Uh, but but he was uh, I don't know. I, I never forgot. I think he's one of the greatest communicators that we've had yeah. as a president, honestly. Yeah, um, I know. I've
0: seen him on. Um, he did. Uh, LeBron James has the show. Um, it's called The Shop. It's on HBO. And he interviewed um, Obama, President Obama, and it was after the Black Lives Matter protests and things, and just being able how he was just so relatable to what he understand goes on at the bottom level, like you know, like people you and I, and even probably lower, and just him being like, okay, I understand y'all pain, but this is we have to develop steps to get change, you know, and so just him being so relatable to at whatever level you are is just i think like to me that is just like that's a level in itself yeah
1: yeah and that's that's what what breeds hope for even even if like that change isn't necessary there yet it's for someone in that position to acknowledge hey i hear you right look we're working on it and that gives that community that that extra little boost that extra little hope of like okay we're being heard versus uh some politicians they just you know it's it's you're just you feel like you're you're just not hurt. Right. So I have tremendous respect for him on that. Okay, I will let you go. How can people uh, find you, follow you, support you? Uh, your website, your uh, Instagram is, what is your Instagram? Uh, Diva Hustler Radio?
0: Yes. So you can follow us on uh, IG, Facebook, and Twitter at Diva Hustle Radio. And then you can check our website at www.divahustleradio.com.
1: Well, I just want to acknowledge you, Paris. You, you. you. Uh, you're an inspiration to me, hearing your story, what you've overcome, what you are built. I, I studied, I always do a lot of research on people before I have them on the show, and, and your story touched me. I mean, you've overcome a lot. You've created this, this life, this monster, if you will, of who you are and what you're going for, and it doesn't seem like you're letting anyone stop you, and I have mad respect for that.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking with you today. You know, I just like being able like I said, if I could just tell help one person or inspire one person to just go forth and try to achieve a goal, that's that's my job is done.
1: Well I think you're doing a hell of a job then. Thank you. That's what you're doing. Thanks again for tuning in to the ultimate shift. Look, I know life is crazy. Life gets busy and we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up, but there's so many things that come up in between. And my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal. You can follow me on Instagram at Ephraim Glick, Facebook at Ephraim Glick, Twitter at Glick Ephraim, or you can go to the website at Ephraim Glick.com. See you next time.